Look, go to 2 Timothy right off the bat, 2 Timothy chapter 3. But I'm going to talk to you about raising your children. Part of a family is kids. Not everybody, not every family has them. But they are a, they're a, a, a big amount of work. God has a lot to say about them. But I want to talk about <clears throat> dealing with that. Amen? Dealing with kids. That's natural, folks. If you're not careful, you'll think that's normal. That's not normal. Alright? There's a way to stop that. There's a way to raise children so they don't disrespect like that. So we're going to talk about that this morning. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 29:17 says, Correct thy son. Don't worry about their feelings. Don't worry about upsetting them. Correct them, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Children ought to be a delight, and they can be. So, 2 Timothy chapter 3. We live in a very dangerous time. It's a dangerous time to believe the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3. You see, you got people like Dr. Phil and Oprah Winfrey who are out there who are crossing everything the Bible says and saying there's a better way, and we're reaping for it. This, uh, this thing that we hold in our hand is a dangerous document to our world's culture. Um, the, um, it was deadly dangerous to leave the Bible in the first 300 years of history. The Roman Empire slaughtered about 5 million Christians throughout the empire over 300 years. Tried to wipe them out. As a matter of fact, they didn't do it. Uh, Christianity tripled in size. Took over. As a matter of fact, uh, by 325, when Constantine became the Pope, uh, he finally admitted, he said, half my empire is Christian, even though they were slaughtering them. And you don't want to know how. For the next thousand years after... Uh, uh, the Dark Ages began about 500 A.D. man I read estimated in a very good authority on it named Avro, uh, uh, Avro Manhattan uh, estimated about 50 million Bible-believing Christians were slaughtered throughout Europe over a thousand years. The last 500 years, though, now what has been amazing, the last 500 years with the advent of the Reformation, uh, we've seen a blessing where nations and laws have been based upon the laws and the principles of the Bible instead of the whims of a king or even on the whims of a people. You see, we can vote and we can choose, but it may not be right. And it's nice to base our laws on something that is absolute and true, like the Bible. So, uh, when, when nations are founded upon the Bible, you get great nations. One of the greatest documents of the Western civilized world is something called the Magna Carta. The freedoms you have today are because that little piece of document written on a boat, uh, uh, founded on the Bible and the freedoms and the responsibilities of government to the people based upon biblical principles. Now what I'm saying is, what we have is a culture today that has dumped the Bible for their new ideas and we're reaping for it. <coughs> we're headed back into intense persecution. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, This know also, that in the latter days, the last days, what type of times are coming? Perilous. That means deadly times. That doesn't, just doesn't talk about earthquakes. It's perilous to live in Japan, amen? It's perilous to live in some areas <coughs> of uh, that ring of fire that's around the Pacific Rim. It'd be crazy to build a new house there on, the, on these uh, faults. Um, 
But this is not talking about perilous times when it comes to earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes. It's talking about perilous times when it comes to believing the Bible. Look what it says. It goes on. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Paul's saying, this is what it's going to get like. What that means is, it wasn't like that then. Paul says, uh, uh, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Paul was looking out in the future and he said, I cannot believe what I'm seeing with children so mistreating their parents, disobeying their parents, <clears throat> without unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, loving everything except what's normal to love and natural to love. Truce breakers, they can't even keep a promise. False accusers, incontinent, that means out of control. Fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. These have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. What should we do from such Turn away. We live in dangerous times. Those are not normal, folks. What you see on television is not normal. What you see in the neighborhood and the kids and the teenagers and the young people and the schools is not normal. It's dangerous. That's what we're dealing with. Now, the concept of the home is just about demolished. That's why my picture is there. <coughs> Everywhere I read, everybody's conclusion is the family unit is changing. And I agree. Yeah, it's changing, but at what cost? Marriage has been redefined now. Marriage, the word, has been redefined. You can't do that, but they did it. Divorce is rampant. In 2011, 2.1 million marriages took place in Europe and 1 million divorces took place. There are more partnerships than marriages registered in Europe now. More children are raised by single parents. 40% of all children in Europe are now born to unmarried mothers. It was only 27%. 16 years ago, from 27% of all children being raised by single parents to now 40% across Europe. In America, 72% of black children are raised only by their mothers without a dad. And that ought to terrify Americans. That is a nightmare. That is a time bomb that is going off right now because of divorce and dad not being there. Oh yeah, 91 same-sex couples were married here in Ireland for 45 days from mid-November when it was finally put in law how people could get uh, tie the knot, so to speak, uh, as same-sex couples. And 91. Now, that turns out to be, if you average that out, that turns out to be about 800 people trying to get married in one year. That's 0 .01, 0.07 no, 0.01% of the voting population. 0.01%. We voted for 0.01% of the population to have that perversion of a lifestyle honored by the gift of marriage and by the name of marriage. We're on our way to honoring incestuous and multi-partner relationships and families. 300, at least 300 million babies have been murdered worldwide since the 1970s. The home is being destroyed. Every evil is on the rise. It's not getting better. And no one stops and asks why. Well, God predicted it about 3,000 years ago. I won't have you read it, but I'll quote it to you. Proverbs chapter 30 says this. There is a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes. 
Their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. God looked out and he says, there's a generation coming that are dangerous. Now, we need a new understanding of the family. Well, not a new one. Don't get the idea there's a new one to get. But this generation that we live in needs one that returns to the Bible. That discovers that the Bible's actually right. Where we raise our children right. You know, there is a right way. Somebody says, well, you have your way and we have our way. Just, just you know, let's all get along. Well, you know, I, I can understand all that. But let me tell you, there is a right way and a wrong way to raise children. The most ardent enemies that are going to be in this room this morning are those who are too proud to accept that they've done it wrong. Now, I, don't, I don't mean to put a guilt trip on anybody. Well, maybe I do. <laughs> but honestly, looking at how we raise children ought to be one of the most important things we do. You know, when you build an automobile, let's say Volkswagen that just got stuck for up to 18 billion euros in fines. All they did was they... they, they, they they, they made their software lie. They didn't create a defective product. But they were held responsible for not doing things by regulation. Amen? All right. Now, let's take that a little bit further and let's pretend like they had actually used uh, materials that were not good enough quality to put into a car. So people were driving along the road and the axles were breaking and they were crashing and dying. Would that be serious? And the reason why people would come down hard on a company like Volkswagen or whatever would be because they didn't follow the regulations, they didn't follow the expectations or the rules for safety. How can we think that raising our children doesn't have consequences and is not serious? And that if we sort of just wing it and we just sort of go as we feel, well, do you allow your car to be built by an engineer as he feels? Of course, you wouldn't drive it. And so our homes need to have a, 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 a look at an inventory and say, are we doing it right? We need a new understanding of the family. We need to build and rebuild what the world has been destroyed. Now, people don't want to hear what God says. Take your Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter 30. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 30. People don't want to hear what God says or what God thinks about most anything. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 8. Now go. God is talking to Isaiah and he tells him, go. I want you to write something before them in a table. Now a table means in this table of stone. I want you to make it... Hi, buddy. <laughs> I want you to make it so it is... It is uh, uh, it, it, it can't be blotted out. It can't be rejected. I want you to make it permanent. Now go, write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. For this that you're preaching to, God says to Isaiah, this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, the seers were the prophets of the day, See not. Stop seeing. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us. Write things. Hey, we want, we want Oprah Winfrey. We want uh, uh, the popular, the populist. We want Donald Trump. We want, um, 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 what's that guy's name in San Antonio, the, the, the preacher there? 
you know, the, the Joel Osteen. We want Joel Osteen. Look what he says. They say, prophesy not unto us right things, but speak unto us smooth things. Go ahead and tell us lies and deceits. Prophesy deceits. Make us feel better. Isn't that funny? People don't want to hear what God says and what God thinks. You know what I say? So what? It's always been that way, and so I preach and I teach anyway. Now, proof of your Christianity will be whether you do what God says or what Dr. Phil, Dr. Spock, or Dr. Big Britches says. I hope you decide the right one to follow this morning. If you got some notes, please, I encourage you to take down some things. And These notes are going to be on the website. They're on the website the, uh, the week after every message, so... Uh, you can go back and get some thoughts. Father, would you meet with us this morning? Help me encourage some families. Encourage those who want to have families and those who have made big messes of our families. <clears throat> There's not one of us in this room who can look and go, I got it all done right, it did perfect. No, we always need encouragement. We always need to take inventory and say, God, help me. Help me stay faithful. Help me do things a little better, a little more right. Give me grace. Give me, give me the wherewithal so that by your, by your grace, my family can serve you and love you because they're worth it. Lord, there's people in this room, husbands and wives and children, who are in, in troublesome homes. Homes where there's not a lot of godliness. Lord, you love that home. That home is, is still priceless and precious. And it's by your, by your divine providence that they're here today. I pray that people who are unsaved would get saved. People who are hard and bitter would get crumbled and broken and desire for the Lord Jesus Christ to be Lord of their home. I pray that every one of our homes would be strengthened because of these truths in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is part one, so hold on. I'm not going to give you the whole truckload this morning. Now, there's some initial truths about, a, about growing a Christian family. All right? How do, you, how do you grow a Christian family? Well, you start working on yourself first off. Okay? If you're going to have a Christian home, you're going to have to have an adult in the home. Does that make sense? There needs to be at least one adult in your home. Nod your head. Amen? <laughs> so, be that adult. Start acting like adults. Quit acting like a kid. Quit trying to be cool. Try, quit trying to be hip. Quit trying to dress like your teenage daughter. Quit trying to act like your teenage son. Be an adult. Start with yourself and start looking at yourself and say, what is needed in my home is not better kids, it's a better dad. Amen. It's a better mom. Every generation is a reflection of the worst attitudes and the worst thinking of the previous generation. Did you get that? Every generation, my kids picked up my bad habits. They didn't pick up my good habits. They naturally are a reflection of what's worst in me. In other words, what parents do in moderation. I only have a few beers. Your kids will do to excess. Amen. Oh, I only do this a little bit. I only watch it. So ask God to reveal the areas that he's trying to work on you and you're fighting him in. And let him work. And then ask God to teach you what are the right ways so that you can teach them to your children. Work on yourself first, ladies and gentlemen. You see, you can, you can tell my teenage boys just will not listen to me. Well, maybe me's the problem. 
All right? Not all the problem, but it should start with us. Secondly, your children, your responsibility. Go to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. <clears throat> God gave you your family and your children. You've got a child. God gave you that child. They are your responsibility. They're not the HSCs. They're not the churches. They're not the schools. They're not the Montessori's. Your children are not your parents' issue. Your parents' uh, responsibility either. You know what your, if you've got children, you know what your parents should be? Are you ready? Grandparents. That's it. They shouldn't be the parents. They should be the grandparents, which just means they're super. I mean, bring me the kids, but let me send them home. Amen? That's, that's, too many times, parents are picking up the pieces of their kids' lives for generations. And that's not how God designed it. Um, uh, Genesis chapter 17 and verse 5. Let me get back there. Neither shall thy name, God talking to Abraham, neither shall thy name be called Abraham, not anymore, but thy name shall be Abram, I said, I should have said, and thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Who's in charge of giving all those children to Abraham and grandchildren? God is. God gave it to Abraham. God gave you your children. They aren't accidents. I know you didn't plan on them. At least not all of them. But God gave them to you. So they're your responsibility. Um, God expects you to take responsibility for how your children act, how your bills are paid. And how you and your spouse get along. God makes that responsibility on you. When your kids act up, don't get all upset. You know why we get upset? Because it makes us look bad. And it should. And it should. I think a lot of parents should be held responsible for the actions of their teenage kids. Amen. Amen. Now, not everything. But honestly, honestly, they're your responsibility. It used to be real simple. Some kid got in a fight. You dealt with the parents. You says, stop him. See, the police shouldn't have to stop them. Dad should. Amen. Third, your home is supposed to be different. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Your home, I'm not talking about anybody else's house. Your home is supposed to be different. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verse 14 says this. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That's another word for arguing. Do everything without disputings and murmurings and, uh, murmurings and disputings that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Your family ought to shine. Not because they're perfect, but because they're different. You don't have to be the brightest bulb on the block, but you ought to shine. Amen? Your kids ought to act different. Somebody comes into your house or somebody meets your son, they ought to go, wow, what a, what a gentleman. What a, what, a, what a young man who respects people. Look at this young lady. She's all done. All she's done is just try to make sure everybody's taken care of. That should shine. Would you agree? Your family is supposed to be different. Fourthly, you don't have to do it all alone. 
You need help holding your family together. God gave you society. God gave you a church. God gave you your parents. God gave you your brothers, sisters, all that family around you. God gave you that to put pressure, supporting pressure, and to give advice and to be, I know you hate advice, but you need it. Don't let, don't let the habit of, well, my sister takes care of my kids. Uh, you're supposed to take care of them. The sister can help. Amen? So don't get in the habit of jumping your, 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 your kids on your sister so that you can go get your career going again. And you got a kid. That's your priority. Now, when we see children, you know what God sees? Generations. Go to Exodus chapter 20. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5, right in the middle of the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5. Look at verse 4. Well, go to verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Nothing, none of them. Sports, friends, girlfriends, money. No other gods ahead of God. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, nor any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or is in the earth beneath. Or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon not just the children, but unto the, upon the children unto the third and the fourth what? Generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. You know, when we see children, God sees generations down the line. Think about it. Your constant arguing and fighting in your home, your your own rebellion to authorities over you, that boss of mine, I can't wait till I can quit. Watch what you're saying to your kids. That can affect them not just one generation, but how many generations? Up to four. The anger, the drunkenness, the, the bitterness in a home can affect children to the fourth generation. You want that? See, when we see our little kids and they hear us yelling, they hear us um, uh, tearing down into Kenny every time, even though sometimes you want to get rid of them, but you got to watch how you talk. Every time you're making fun of people, every time you're, you're mocking authority, you're cursing your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. See, you only see the kid. God sees generations. <clears throat> start training early. All this stuff I'm talking about, you got to start early. Do you know your children understand, understand things when they're in the womb? Do you know that? They know mama's voice. When that baby comes out and mama speaks, that baby turns right to that voice because it's, it's heard that voice all for the last nine months. Children understand. You remember when John the Baptist was still in the womb and Mary with Jesus in his womb, that baby leaped for what? They experienced emotions. Don't you think it's just a bit of flesh or a little bit of blob in a woman. No, that baby um, is, 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 is supposed to learn. A, an, an infant hearing multiple languages can process multiple languages in a home. They are the most advanced creation ever. A baby can hear Spanish, um, um, English, can hear Texan, can hear <coughs> um, uh, German, and figure it all out. <clears throat> and to mama, speak Spanish, and to speak German, right? Isn't that right, uh, <coughs> Andreas? The kids pick it up, so teach them. Don't go, oh, I've got to wait till they're 15. You know, if you wait till they're 15 to hand them a King James Bible, they will throw it away. 
<clears throat> you wait you wait until they're 14, 15, you say, I'm going to let them find their own way. They've already found their way by then. Amen? Start early. You say, my kids aren't going to understand. They understand that it's important to you when you're reading them the Bible, when you're bringing them to church, when you're dragging them to church. Nod your head. Amen. They understand it's important. Whether they ever get an appreciation for it at five years old or at three years old, they know it's important to you. Bring them. Amen. Get them to do right. <clears throat> Start training early. Do you know what? You know what a child does from the start? They love you. You've got a little baby there. There's Ken Rowe. He's got a little baby. That little baby just loves mom and dad. I mean, it's just natural. They want to be like mom and dad. And they will obey you if you expect them to. Now, every home, I want to finish up this introduction here with every home, no matter how messed up is, how messed up it is, is a gift from God. You know, if you're married, God joins men and women together into families by marriage. That's how God does it. And the fact that you want a family is good and right. It's good and right to God. You think about it, some of you, the fact that you are married, it's a miracle. Nod your head, gentlemen. Yeah, you know how hard it would be to find somebody else who'd put up with you. Yeah. And all children are a miracle and a blessing from God. How many children? All children. What about rape? What about the child? Take out and, and murder the rapist, not the child. All children are a miracle. You don't, you don't punish the unborn baby. Every home, every part of that home is a gift from God. And God gives enough grace. He has enough grace to enable even the worst of homes to be restored. Listen, I read this quote by a pastor named Adrian Rogers. If you ever get to read anything or hear him preach anything, read, uh, uh, get anything you can by Adrian Rogers. Rogers said this, The same Jesus who turned water into wine can transform your home, your life, your family, and your future. He is still in the miracle-working business, and his business is the business of transformation. That's his, that's his way. He changes things. Decide, you know what? My family is, is, is going to be changed by the grace of God because God gave it to me. He wants to change it. Now, that means a lot of work. <laughs> Don't misunderstand anything. Why is it so hard, Pastor? Why is it so hard to talk to my kids? Why is it so hard to get things to work right? Because of sin nature. Every person in that family of yours is a stinking, selfish, self-centered, self-egotistical sinner. Every one of them. So you're going to be going uphill. You know, all children are different. Think about it for a minute. Just when you figure out how to work with one child, another one comes along and is the actually exact opposite. My first one was so nice, so sweet. This one's a devil. And then when you got an, you got this kid at eight, nine, ten years old, and you got him under control, you got all their energies focused. Then they change to become teenagers, and you go, "I got to start all over." That's why it's hard, but it takes time. Do you know it takes years and years to teach children to be respectful, to behave, to pray when they're under pressure instead of murmur and complain, to walk with God. It takes years to teach children to do right when everyone else is doing wrong. It's funny, it only takes a few minutes to destroy all of that good living. You sit down and allow a little child to watch a vile act on television between two people in a bed somewhere. It can defile them for the rest of their lives. Amen. It just takes one TV show. 
somebody sexually abusing a child. That's why Jesus said, woe unto anybody who offends a little one. It'd been better they'd never been born. Because you can affect a child for the rest of their life. Amen. Training takes time. And it's just, man, if you're not protecting your child, and if you're not working hard, all that, that, all that, that uh, investment that you put into your children, and then you send them off to the story, and you watch them change, and you wonder what's going on, you better find out. Because why spend all that time trying to teach them how to, how to, how to respect and how to honor and how to obey? And then I watch it destroy. And they come home and they stick their tongue at you. Where did you learn that? So let me give you the best practice. What I'm going to give you is just basically the best practice rules of raising children biblically. Now these are not complete or exhaustive. There is no way that I or anybody I know could teach everything a parent will have uh, have to need to know to handle everything thrown at them. God didn't give us, you know, if God had to give you instructions on how to deal with everything, like a manual, if this light goes out, flip this switch. Can, you know, I mean, that's an operation manual for a machine. That doesn't exist, folks. There's not, well, if your wife won't obey, this is what you do. It'd be 40 pages long. <clears throat> Well, if your husband does it, if your kid... No, if it had to give you every kind of situation, you couldn't do that. That would be an exhaustive book that nobody would read. <clears throat> so, what I'm going to teach you is the most important things. This week and next week. Now, we need to decide to do things by the book. By the Bible. If God said it, that settles it. No one's going to ever be able to do everything perfectly. And if you ever did, guess what? Still won't make sure your kids turn out perfect. Still won't make perfect husbands, ladies. I'm sorry. You see, but I'm doing everything right, and that man just won't change. You know why you do things right? Because it's right. Amen. You know why you, well, you know why you pay your taxes? Do you know why you, you give honor to whom honor is due? You know why you go to church? You know why you read your Bible? I don't care whether you don't get any feeling out of it. It doesn't matter whether you get this great wad of cash in your mailbox every week because you give away money. It doesn't matter if nothing happens. You do it because it's right. Amen. Amen. I, I, I just hope you decide we're going to do things by the book. <clears throat> that is if you want to have a home. You want to have peace in your home. If you want God to be able to work in your home and in your faith, if you want God to be able to work on your husband, make sure he's already finished the work on you. Amen. Amen. If you want strong future families instead of just illegitimate children, you better put these things into place. I'm going to be speaking about Children live still in your home. You got a you got a forty year old and he still comes home for lunch. He's a lost cause, don't even try. Alright? As long as we're dealing with children, we're gonna talk about children and children who still live under your roof and are still children. We're gonna talk about them. Now, some of the things apply to young children, some to teenagers, you're gonna to have to use some wisdom to figure out which one to apply, amen. And I'm gonna be speaking from the heart. I'm not gonna speak from the position of be like me. I want you to have a family like mine. Don't even get the idea, all right? I'm not speaking for a position of success. I'm speaking for a position of what God says and what I aspire to. Have I failed? Amen. We all have. But I know it's right. And I know we need what we need to hear. So, um, let's start. Take your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. <clears throat> now, for the last several weeks, we've dealt with the last sections of verses there on wives and husbands, and now we move to children. And let's read verses 1, 2, and 3. That's all we're going to We're going to do only look at three verses this morning, besides some extras. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, 2, and 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Three verses. First thing I want you to see is that God wrote a message to children. Huh? God writes the Bible to everybody. He already wrote in chapter 5, he said, look back there in verse, um, uh, in verse 22, wives, he speaks right to the women, he speaks right to the wives, he says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. He spoke right to the wives, didn't he? Verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ or loved the church. Verse 1 of chapter 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Hey, notice, God through Paul, writes directly to children. You know, children are able to hear and understand when they're given instructions. I'm not talking about infants. You get a little Mia, here's Bozzy, went, obey your dad. And she poops. <laughs> not now. <clears throat> when I'm talking about infants, we're dealing with children who, who, are, who are listening, they're starting to communicate. You can, you, can, you can read this to them and they start to understand. What a marvelous book that God would take the time to talk to children. Jesus gathered children around him. The disciples tried to chew him all the way. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Suffer to bring the children under me, under me. You, you suffer so that they can be with me. I, you guys are with me all the time. Let's get the children around me. Let them listen as well. What a, what a great God we serve that loves children. Amen. He wrote directly to children. <clears throat> uh, he didn't write this. He didn't write, parents, make sure your children obey. That's how I would have written it. Amen. It didn't work that way. No, he wrote, children, make sure you obey your parents. That's how he wrote. Um, and he just said, because this is right. Now, God is here teaching children to obey and to honor and support their parents' decisions, not fight them. And it's not, they're, they're, a child is supposed to obey their parents, not because their parents are so smart. They're so right. They're so good. My dad is so good. I obey him because he... No, no. That's not why you obey your parents. Amen? You obey them because it's right. By the way, it's not. We're, uh, children are not supposed to obey their parents because it's easy to obey. Did you find it easy to obey your parents? I bet you didn't. We obey not because it's easy, but because it's right. Now, a parent is supposed to teach this to this children. How is a child supposed to know what is right and wrong? Unless you, Dad, unless you, Mom, teach it. Reading the words of Scripture to your children, even from a uh, young age, can make the biggest difference in their life. Go to 2 Timothy. Holding your place here, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. To the right, 2 Timothy chapter 3. In verse 15. <clears throat> And that from a, come on, hurry up, get there. Second Timothy 3.15, and that, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Where are they going to learn that command is from God and not just from an angry father. 
and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So, from a young age, read the words of scripture to your children, even from a young age, and it can make the biggest difference. And that's your job. No five-year-old picks up a Bible and can read it. They need mom and dad to read it to them. They need grandma and grandpa to read it to them. They need aunts and uncles to read the Bible to them. Explain the words. Explain the commands of the Bible. Answer the questions of your children. You're supposed to teach them, not the school. I'm glad for, for the, the, the moral emphasis everywhere. But, we, but this culture today has no respect of God because parents push the responsibility of morality onto the church and onto the school. And so kids at home rejected it. And now everybody rejects it. We need morality taught in the home again. We need to rediscover that's where the Bible is taught. A parent is supposed to teach this to their children. Answer the questions. More parents have led their children to Christ simply because they've spent the necessary time reading the Bible to their children. Just reading the Bible to their children. Then they look up and say, Daddy, I'm not saved. Wow. Isn't that? Listen, you, you give your right and left arm to be able to be there when your child wants to get saved. Well, be there with them as you read the Bible to them. Amen. Now, God gave a command to children. Back there in Ephesians chapter 6, He gave them a command. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, a child obviously has responsibilities before God. What? I thought my child, my, my child's too young. My child doesn't understand. No, a child has responsibilities to God. A child has a responsibility to obey and honor their parents. What? Yes. Go to Proverbs. Hold in your place here. Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 11. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be Right. A child is, has a responsibility for learning and knowing what is right to do and doing it. You say, here's, here's, a, here's a six-year-old. And the six-year-old's in the back of the, of the trolley. The mom's got it over by the cereal aisle. And the mom reaches over and she's grabbing the oatmeal. And the little boy just starts pulling everything down for, out, of the, out, of the, out of the shelves. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's just a little boy. No, he's a rebel. And mama's a rebel for not teaching him, don't do that. Amen. Amen. A child has responsibilities before God. Not the same responsibilities of a teenager. Not the same responsibilities of an adult, but they have responsibilities. They are, you ought to look and say, that boy is obedient. That girl is honoring. Now God, um, God expects two things of children. To obey your parents. And secondly, to honor your parents. Now, there are exceptions. I know there are exceptions. There's abuses of power and authority. There are times when your dad is drunk and he asks you to go do something and you just go, I can't do that. I know. But establishing what is right and what is, is the right thing to do is first, and then you deal with the exceptions. To obey your Christian parents and to honor your parents in the Lord. That's why it says in the Lord. To obey your Christian parent means to do whatever they say do. End of story. 
Dad says, turn off the TV. What should the kids do? Click. Dad, we just started watching. Change, go back up there and change what you're wearing. Okay, Dad. It's time to go clean up your room. You talking to me? Why don't you go help Dad with Hoover in the car? Why don't you go to the kitchen and help Mom with the dinner? Go to bed now. Do not listen to that radio station. Turn it off right now. And I want to hear what you're listening to. Take it out of your ear. Turn it on. Let me see what you're listening. Let me hear what you're listening to. Amen. Go out and practice your piano now. You see, parents are supposed to give those kind of commands. My parents were so evil. It's like living in Nazi Germany. That's what you thought when you were their age. But you look and you go, oh, if only I could take them back to when I was a child. (laughs) No. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Even when your parents don't make sense. My dad makes no sense at all. He says, doesn't he know that it doesn't make... Do it when they don't make sense. And do it when their life is not perfect and hypocritical. Well, my mom is so hypocritical. Yeah. You know what? So what? Obey your parents. This is right. Again, these are words that are directed at children who are living in your your family home. When you're old enough to move out, you don't have to obey your parents anymore. You know what you'll wish? That you could come home and learn a little bit more from their wisdom. Because in almost all cases, Kent Hovind said, parents are older and wiser than children. Almost in all cases. (laughs) So you better learn... You better have learned all you can from them before you move out. So, children, do what your parents tell you to do. And parents, expect your children to obey. Amen. Is that complicated? No. To honor your parents, well, that's a lot bigger. It means to respect them. Don't treat them as equals. To honor your parents is not, hey, Dad, how's it going? Buddy. Dude, yeah. Maybe when your team wins, you do that, but not when it's time for commandments and instructions and expectations. Respect your parents means don't treat dad as an equal, but treat them as above you. Don't treat mom as an equal. Esteem them. It means to listen to your parents. Give them preference. I know your friends say one thing, but your parents carry more weight. Prize them and their opinions. Lift them up. Praise your parents. Think very highly of them. That's a choice you make. They'll let you down. You'll look at your dad and you go, he has failed me. Yeah. But God said, do it. God says, honor them. Never murmur. Never complain. Never yell. Never talk back. Never mock your parents. Never argue and never fight them. Disagree, yes. Dad, I disagree. All right, let's sit down, let's talk. But when he puts his foot down and he says, that's how it's going to be, you know what you go? Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. We've got this idea that dad has to run around with a big stick and has to beat us over the head, has to make us to obey. No, he ought to be able to require you to obey without the stick because we choose to obey. Amen. Honor your parents means to look up to them and go, you know, God gave me my parents. There's a lot of wisdom in that old man. 
I think, I think is very important. If you want to honor your parents, always be thankful for them and always come along. I tell you what, you want to, you want to win points? Come along behind them and hug them. So glad God gave me you. Amen. You're going to want your wife or your husband to do it one day to you. You're going to want your kids to come along and just throw their arms around you and say, I love you. Why don't you do it to your parents now? Amen. You know what, by the way, let me say this. When you're 8 years old, 10 years old, 12 years old, you've got to obey your parents. But did you know, it never stops. There's no age where you're supposed to stop honoring your parents. Amen? Your mom comes in and tells you, uh, I think you should move. I think you need to get a new car. Tell you, you need a better job. Mama, go home. You've already raised your kid. All the mistakes they got to make are on their head now. You shouldn't get them to obey you when they've left home. But that child should never stop honoring their parents. you got to make sure. I'm talking to every adult in here. You should honor your parents to the moon. Um, these are the most important things for you to teach your child. More important than learning to kick a soccer ball. I mean, I'm watching little Connor there. Connor, he sit there, he's throwing up a ball. I'm going to send him to Michael, man. He's racquetball, tennis, handball, the whole works. He takes that little soccer ball and pow, he can direct it right at somebody. He's great. But you know, more important than teaching little Connor how to kick a ball, how to get into a goal, teaching Connor the nine planets and um, their names and their positions and teaching Connor uh, what are the stars and, and uh, um, why the sky is blue. More important to teach a child is to obey. It is the foundation of character. We've been in an information age for the last 50 years where all we worry about teaching our kids is information. We teach them Wikipedia. We teach them it's the Internet, all the information on the Internet. We could go, we could... The most important thing, let me just get back on track because I'm going to get off on a rabbit trail. The most important thing you, you must teach your child and that every child must learn is to obey. If you want to have a child who survives and stays right with God and does not give in to the temptation of the world and get destroyed by the world, you teach them to obey. I'm not talking about to obey everybody. They need to obey you. That is the most important thing. I know teaching them kicking a ball, teaching them how to, you know, how to hoover. I remember when my dad, I was about six years old, my dad was out mowing the grass. You know what he bought me? One of these little plastic lawnmowers that you put soap bubbles in and it would bubble up while you pushed it. I was in heaven. I was mowing next to my dad. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then one day my dad actually swapped out. He says, you do this and I'm doing that one. <laughs> there was a plan behind it. Amen. But he was teaching me to, to want to work and to want to go out and to, and to mow grass. And I made a lot of money mowing grass because my dad taught me. Amen. But more important things, my dad taught me a lot of good things. And one of them was, when my dad said something, I was to do it. My never, dad never has become a Christian. But he taught me to obey. There are, these are the most important things for, for them to learn and for you to teach. Is more important than teaching a child to paint or to draw. Is more important to teach them how to sing or to play a musical instrument. It's to honor and obey their parents. That is what you must teach your children. I don't care how young or how old they are. Yeah, you need to teach them right and wrong. You need to teach them, you need to take time to answer their zillions of questions. I remember asking, Mom, why does the toilet go round and round? And round? 
did you ever have that question? Maybe I was the only one that just wondered, why, why didn't it just go straight down? Why did it just swear on my dad? Looked at me and says, there is no answer. <laughs> but what you, what you try to teach your children, try to explain why the sky is blue, well, that's because of the reflection, ref, refraction of light through water in the atmosphere. He, a child doesn't, cannot understand answers. More important is for them to understand, they must obey. You understand what I'm saying? Before you can explain right and wrong, good and evil, you need to teach them that God expects them to always obey their mommy and their daddy. And it's vital. It is vital and serious. He who has learned to obey will one day know best how to command. Amen. God expects that the older the child gets, more freedom they get to think and to reason and even disagree. But in childhood, obedience to your parents is king. That's why the first thing that God says here in Ephesians chapter 6 is, Children, obey your parents and the Lord. He makes that the priority. This is where our society is failing. The world's culture disagrees. Psychologists, on Wednesdays on News Talk, there's this psychologist named David Carey. And this pa- and every Wednesday afternoon, this past Wednesday afternoon, like every other Wednesday, he spends hours trying to convince parents to raise their children different than God's ways. And he said this past week, and I'm going to paraphrase, but he said it this way. Why are we trying to get our children to do what we say? Instead, we should be getting them to understand what, to understand what we want them to do. Reason with our children. Listen to them and give them time. Doesn't that sound so good? Whoa, boy, that sounds a whole lot better than children obey your parents and the Lord. He sounds like he's smart. But he's a worldview opposite than the Bible. All that man David Carey is doing is drawing the line in the sand between the world and Christ. Two opposite views. One of the views is producing some of the worst brats in history who hate God, hate their parents, and most of all, they hate themselves. That's the product of David Carey. And I'd say it to him in his face. He comes all over the country teaching people how to raise teenagers, how to raise kids. I tell him, you're producing a nightmare generation because when you leave God, you leave the light and you teach darkness. And yet the Bible viewpoint produces children who love God, love people, and love sacrificing themselves for the needs of others. Which one do you want? Brat or a Christian? And learning it is a serious work. I was out yesterday and I thought about this. This was crazy. Going door to door with Andrew there. Andrew's on down the road, whatever. And I come up to this, I, I come into this, you know, front garden and um, there's this woman sitting in the, in the car there. They're obviously getting ready to go. The door is open. And this little, I'd say he was eight years old. This little guy looks at me, he stands up, he's been sitting down, he stands up and he goes, wait right there, don't go anywhere. And he runs in the house. So anyway, I motioned to the mom and I said, I just want to put this in your, in your uh, uh, foyer, your doorway there. And I put it in the foyer and I turned and I walked away and I went off to the next house. And that little kid came out and he followed me and he says, why didn't you stay right there? <laughs> And I just said, I said, because you don't know me and I don't know you. And then I turned and I knocked on the door. He said, all I wanted to show you was my word. He started crying like a baby. Now, I know you're saying, oh, 
But the dad came out and says, Sean! Sean! And he turned and walked away. Who are you talking to? He didn't answer. And I'm standing there going, all right, this is going to go south here now. Because there's no way to explain what I'm doing with this kid. So I'm next door. Thankfully, next door, nobody answers the door. And that dad gave out and says, were you talking to that man? I told you, don't ever talk to anybody you don't know. Get in the car. Took off. Now, what I'm saying is, would you say that that little boy is headed for trouble if he just trusts everybody that comes to his door? That just looks like a nice, handsome guy. Is he, is, is he headed for trouble if he does not learn to obey his dad even though he doesn't understand his dad? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, boy. Learning obedience is more important than teaching them to paint, draw, sing, play music, kick a ball. Nothing is more important than learning them to go, when dad says don't, you go, I can't talk to you. You're a stranger. Amen. A child needs to know that they must obey. They don't need to know the reason. I've watched parents go, Johnny, Johnny's four years old. Johnny, you can't do that because, don't put a because in there. Four-year-old doesn't need a because. Four-year-old needs a You don't do that. Right, good, now go play. Amen. Amen. Parents spend two minutes com- uh, explaining and then half an hour explaining. Just command, don't sit there and waste all that time. They should know, mom said it, that settled it. I knew a pastor in Florida, and this was years ago. But I knew a pastor in Florida who was walking with his family in a shopping mall when the father saw a gunman run out of a shop and raise his gun into the air towards them. The father spoke firmly and clearly, Get on the floor! And that family dropped to the ground as that gunman began to fire in all directions. There was no time to explain, no time to get everybody's attention. He just said it loud and clear enough for his family to hear, and his family obeyed. It's that serious. You imagine a modern teenager. Why? This floor is not clean. Mom, why do we have to obey Dad? Dad is not, he's a hypocrite. You better listen to Dad when he says, Hit the floor! Amen. In the military, they teach them this. You get the MPs, those are the military police, and they come in, there's a crowd of soldiers there. When the MPs come up there and they got their guns raised, they said, On the ground! You know what everybody does? They hit the dirt because someone's going to get shot. <laughs> and, and you just obey. Amen. We say, oh, I don't want my child to obey. You, it is serious. You will need that one day. And you better have instilled it so that you don't regret it. By the way, learning to obey is part of the gospel. Go to Ephesians now. You're in, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians. Go to Romans. Go to the left. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 verse 16 says this. Know you not? Watch these words. Powerful words. Know you not? That to whom ye yield yourselves servants to... Are you with me? Somebody talk to me. Ephesians, sorry. Romans 6, 16. Don't you know? Know you not? That to whom ye yield yourselves servants to... His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Why did you get saved, Craig? Because the Bible said you must be born again. 
I obeyed the doctrine that said I was lost and I could trust Jesus Christ. I obeyed it. Amen. Ephesians 2. You Go back to Ephesians. Uh, no, hold your place in Romans. I don't want to miss this one last point. Chapter 6, verse 12. It's still in Romans chapter 6, in verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. You know, a child who's never taught to obey will never be able to break the bondage of sin and not obey lust. All they have to have is a picture phone. All they have to have is the internet. All they have to have is 150 channels on the TV and they just can't break away from obeying lust. You know why? Because they never were taught to obey a higher power. Part of the gospel is you've got to obey. And why our generation is lost and why people will get saved is because they're spoiled brats who from a young child have never been taught to just obey. Amen. Ephesians 2. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. I'm teaching you this morning. I hope you're staying with me. <clears throat> Ephesians You say, all oh, my kids are grown up. You can still influence them. You still can look at them and say, look, I made a mess of trying to trying to do right, and my heart was right, and your, your, your kids probably know you were trying your best, but you need to say, don't repeat the same mistake with your kids. You're spending all your time, and I've watched this in America. America, you have what's called, what's it called? Soccer mom. You know what a soccer mom is? That means that mom is a human taxi. And mom, from the time they pick the kids up from school until late at night, is running the kid everywhere thinking that's going to make a well-rounded kid. And let me tell you, that's fine. You can spend, I don't care how much money you spend, how much time you spend. You can wear yourself out doing that. But if you have not taught your child to obey, you have wasted your life on a spoiled brat. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Where in time past, you walked according to the course of this world. That's the culture of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. The spirit that worketh now in the children of what? That word repeats itself. Look at chapter 5 and verse 6. Chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 6. <clears throat> Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon what kind of children? The children of disobedience. You want to have a, you want your child to get saved, teach them to obey. You say, I gotta teach them the gospel. Yes, you've got to teach them the gospel. But the gospel means nothing to them until they understand authority and until they understand God is right and that God's in charge and that they just need to do it because God said it. So well, I'm waiting for God to prove himself to me. You'll go to hell. You go straight to hell. And what a shame. He already proved himself when he became a man and let religious people kill him. And yet he still loved you and asked you to come follow him. Amen. It's the most serious thing you could ever teach because God's wrath goes on children who've only known disobedience. Obedience to your parents is the foundation of everything that would be good in a child's character. Without it, all other good things will be only paper thin. You know what Christ said in Luke 6? He said, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You know why? Because they never did what their parents said. Yeah. And he gives a promise, verse 3. We're going to wrap this up. Well, actually, and then I'm going to give you some practical thoughts. But God gives a promise to children, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 3, that, she, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. You know, the, the fruit of obeying your parents is twofold, a good life and a long life. 
What parent doesn't want that for their kids? Well, I want you to die early, son. <laughs> what? <laughs> My mom always said, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. <laughs> I wasn't sure how far she wanted to take that thing. But don't you want your kids to have a better life than you? Don't you want them to live long enough to see their grandchildren? Amen? Amen. If you want them to have a long life and a good life, teach them to obey. So when I'm trying to teach them to be this and try to be a doctor and try to make money so I can retire, you're wasting your time. You believe the promises of God? There's a promise right there. You want that promise to be applied to your children? Then train your children to obey you and your spouse and to honor you and your spouse. Say yes, ma'am, to your mom. I know. I, I told you I was at I was working at a phone company. I don't know. My mom raised me different than maybe some of you, and some of you maybe saw a lot of abuse. I don't know. But when I was when I was at the telephone company and we had lunch break or whatever, I sat and stood in line, and there were feminists around me everywhere. It was a nightmare to be a male in my office because three quarters of the population of the office were women, and they were all feminists, which means they hated men. Anyway, I thought I left the office and I'm downstairs and I'm getting me some of my coffee and my Danish, you know, and I'm going through. And uh, the man says, the, the woman said, will that be all? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, don't call me, ma'am. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. <laughs> you know what's funny? There are about three people on this side and three people on that side of me just laughed. <laughs> I just couldn't. Yes, sir. I mean, look, don't call me, ma'am. What else am I going to call you? Susan? <laughs> it is right to honor people and right especially to say to your mom, yes ma'am. It's right to say to your dad, yes sir. Say, that's so old fashioned. It's right. It's right. We need some old fashioned again. Teach them. Train them. Don't have to beat it in them. So I'm going to teach you to obey. You're going to waste your time. Now, how do you get children to obey? This is where we get fun. Here's some practical stuff. You ready? Say, I want, to teach, I want to teach little Johnny to pick up his toys. Here you go. First of all, give him a command. Johnny's six months old. Well, six months, too young, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, two years old, three years old. At some point, that kid goes over there and starts picking up and pulling out things individually. They can pull them back individually. You can gauge the kid. I'm not talking about a three-month-old pick up the toys. You know, the kid's not going to be able to do it. But give him a command and take all the time necessary to make sure they do it. Do not be so busy that if you ever give a command that you cannot stop and make sure they follow through. Oh my goodness. Pastor, they'll take hours. Yeah. The most important thing you can teach them is more important than dinner. If you tell them to pick up the toys, you know what that means? Stop what you're doing and stand there and make sure they do. What that means is you're probably going to, if it's the first time, you have to get down on the floor and you're going to have to pick them up. This is how we do it in Johnny for about three seconds, looks at you and then looks away. <laughs> and goes to place and you grab Sean or Johnny or Jim or whatever and you bring him back says, this is how we do it and you pick his hand and you pick up are we having fun oh boy yay we're picking up and the kid looks at you and you say he doesn't get it help him fill it up and then let him go then when he goes and he dumps him on the floor you gotta stop I don't care if the dinner's gonna burn go back there and say Johnny time to put your toys away and the kid just, these are strange words to me. And then you watch him. How long does that take? Days, weeks, 
Months, years, years. <laughs> That's why God is not so... Listen, go get your job. you got to pay your bills. I know. But if you're going to forfeit training your children to obey, you're stupid. I would rather eat beans and toast and raise my kids to obey and to love God, to walk with God in a poor house than to have so much money and my kids destroy their lives on drugs and on the life of this world and missing God and missing joy that comes with character. Take the time. So give them a command. Uh, my point is, not everything out of your mouth ought to be a command, but when you give a command, turn the TV off. Don't turn your back and just expect it to happen. Stand there. And when they just sort of act like they didn't hear you, give me the remote. Do you see that button there? When I say turn it off, you push it. Push it right now. Now, go finish, go finish washing up. Get ready for bed. And you pick them up and you... You see what I'm doing? What are you doing? When you give them a command, what are you supposed to... Now, I know that, that Michael Jr., uh, Gregory, is hating everything I'm saying. Because I'm going to ruin their lives for the next few years. But when you tell them to turn it off, that means stop what you're doing and make sure they do it. Amen. That is more important than anything else you're doing. Secondly, repeat it over and over. Don't repeat your command. Don't get that wrong. <laughs> Johnny, this is the third time I'm telling you. Don't make me come in there. No, don't say, don't, 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 don't. I'm on a kid. Don't you even count. You know what my dad had to do? Honestly. I mean, my dad was not a perfect man. But I'm telling you, he, he would give me, he, he opened the window. We had those old round, those old windows that you wrote, you turned the little dial and the window would open up. My dad would open the window and says, time to come in. And he'd roll up that window and then he'd stand in that window. <laughs> Picking up my toys. <laughs> Amen. Amen. He didn't just say, time to come in. 20 minutes later, I told you to come in. What is that, what is that teaching your children? That you don't matter. And that they're king. And that's wrong. What you say, you don't command everything. But when you give an instruction... Expect to be done. And you may have to repeat it for months. Give clear, simple. Don't try to make it complicated, man. Just make it simple. Tell them what to do. Eat your broccoli. That's not complicated. Eat all of your broccoli. Amen. Don't hit your sister. <laughs> Turn over and go to sleep now. Make it simple. Those are, those are invaluable instructions that they must obey. By the way, give only instructions that their, their age can obey. A five-year-old may, may not be able to take the rubbish out. You can try. <laughs> so make the commands to the five-year-old equal to his or her ability, but expect more of your children that are older. Don't pity them. Oh, my goodness, here's a mom. I my son is studying for his leaving exam. I can't give him chores. Give him chores. How dare you think to pity your son? He needs to work. You don't need to carry the brunt for the whole year. That kid is sitting in his room laughing because he's gotten off what he should be helping you do. Amen. Give instructions that are appropriate to their age and expect them to do it. Or else you're going to end up creating a lazy, spoiled adult that will abuse the hard work and the graces of their spouse one day. Did you hear what I say? If you let your kid, I'm busy, 
doodling. One day when their wife needs them, I'm busy watching my channel. And then when they disobey, and this will be next week, we're going to talk about chastening and, and, and correction. Chase them. And they, do not be afraid to correct them when they disobey. That's all for next week. <clears throat> How do you get them to honor you? This one's deeper. It's a lot easier to get them to obey. Honoring is deeper. First of all, honor God yourself first. Visibly, publicly honor God. Make Him Lord of your life, the boss that you obey. Stop complaining about where God has you. I hate Ireland. Yeah, your kids are going, I hate this house. Yeah, you better watch what you say. You better start saying, Lord, you're Lord of my life. If you move me on, praise God. If you leave me here, praise God. Personally, honor your authorities. Who are your authorities? Your pastor. At your home, you ought to say, that was a good message. Pastor, hit it out of the park. Well, I don't agree. Well, that is a good pastor. (laughs) Personally, honor your authorities. Honor the Garda. Don't be driving along and see a Garda van up there taking pictures of you going 180 kilometers an hour, amen? And then go, ah, I hate Garda. You blew it. You must honor your authorities. If you're a mom, you better honor your husband if you want your kids to honor you. you. Honor your employer. Thank God that you're working. Honor your own parents. When you get a chance to bring your kids to their grandparents, it ought to be, we get to go see Grandpa. We get to go get Mama, Grandma a hug. Oh, man, she's the greatest grandma. What are you doing? Lifting her up. Honoring her. One day that child's going to look at you and go, you're the best mom. Because she saw you honoring your mom. Amen? Teach your children to honor people like your wife, your husband, and all authorities simply because God said so. And then tell, then you can command them, your children, to rise up and honor whom they should honor. Go to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19. You can leave this, you can leave Ephesians because we're wrapping this up. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus chapter 19. In verse 2. Leviticus 19 and verse 2 says this. Is that right? No? Verse 12. What are you going to say? It's about uh, standing before um, the, the hoary head. Rise up. Ah, I can't believe this. I know I'm in the right chapter. Sorry? 32. Sweet. Thank you, Sarah. 1932, thou shalt rise up, that means stand up before the hoary head, that means the gray head, the white head, and honor the face of the old man, and fear thy God, I am the Lord. That means you stand. They used to teach that. You're on the bus, and the bus is full, and a woman comes in, an older man comes in, gets on that, do not make that man stand. Get up and let him sit. That's called honor. So command your children, you get out of the seat, you let them sit down. Amen. Command them to rise up. And then command them to not honor those things that are not worthy. I get so sick. This guy, Prince, you know, somebody I knew died on the same day. And all the honor, uh, all the honor given to Prince, still people are crying and weeping and all this stuff. You know, um, Michael Jackson died and everybody just went to pieces. And all these deaths of these people, uh, folks, 
um, movie stars making 100 million euros, sports stars making 30, 30 million euros a year, dope heads, drug addicts, all that stuff. Do not honor them. Stop giving them all your attention, all the wow. They are entertainers and they know how to do it. Don't even give them the second thought. You better honor you better honor the Christian who's been faithful. You better honor the marriage that has been true. You better honor the pastor that's been straight and faithful year after year, sacrificially. You better honor the people that 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 serve that your your home ought to honor nurses and, and sailors who head out into the sea and, and risk their lives trying to save people in the storms. For pennies they get paid. Better honor the fire brigade. Better honor the people that are worth honoring, not these dope heads. Amen. Amen. Command them not to honor. We're not having that poster up in our room. Amen. You know, a child, uh, I read a story several years ago. The guard recalled because some girl, 15-year-old girl, had been caught sneaking back into the house after midnight. Parents didn't know she was gone. The kid came in and the father says, give me your phone. And the girl went ballistic and screaming, you me. He didn't even touch her. You know what he did? He called the Garda. Garda came to the house. So what's the problem? She won't give me her phone. And she said, I'm not having my phone. It's my phone. And the Garda said this. Garda looked at, who's the parent here? The parent got up, headed for the door, and the dad said, what do I do? He said, take the phone. <laughs> he walked out the door. Amen. Folks, there are some things that you have the authority to do. We're not having that in our house. That music's not in our house. That picture's not in our house. That you're not going to do this or that is your job. Oh, it's going to be miserable in my home now. Yeah, and you know what? God will probably get your heart and break it and make you a new person. You'll be a better person. Sounds simple, and it is. I know. Oh, let me throw one more in. How do you get teenagers to obey? Take notes now. Ready? It's a lot harder the longer you wait to get started. So take time with them. You know what teenagers need? A lot of time. Biggest regret you'll ever have as a parent will be that you didn't spend more time in their teen years. You spent so much time when they were playing when they were younger. And then when they go, oh, you just go play. Go read. Take time with them. Love them, man. Reason with them. They need reason. They need questions answered. Sometimes you're going to have to say, I haven't a clue. Listen to them. They are young adults. Teenagers, they're the, they're, they're, there's no such teenager in the Bible, okay? They don't use that term. They're either children or they're adults. Amen. But in that in-between time, they are needing somebody just to listen to them. So listen to them. Take them for lunch and listen to them. They may not want to talk, but you know what? They want to know if you want to listen. Lead them by example. Say, how do I get my child to obey and honor? Lead them by example, man. It's harder to command a a 15-year-old than it was a 5-year-old. So you're going to have to lead by a lot better example. Humble yourself before them and say, you know, I didn't do it right. But I'm going to try. If you'll let me, I'd like to show you how to do things right by the Bible. There's not a dad in here who doesn't need to do that. Not a mom in here doesn't need to look at her mom, look at her daughter and says, I've been a bad example of a wife. I've been a bad example of a Christian woman. But then you're going to have to command them anyway. You say, what, what do you, how do you get teenagers to obey? You expect them to obey. 
Well, what if they fight me? They will fight. And correct them when they disobey. And that just doesn't mean taking their phone. Sometimes you've got to escalate it. That's next week. <clears throat> Pray with them. You know, one man said this to me. He said, no man ever lost a child. No father ever lost a child that he prayed with every night. What a convicting, what a convicting statement. Take your children's hands. Take your wife's hands. Pray with them every day. I bet you that'd save a lot of homes. They don't want to pray. On the outside, they may not. But there's something inside that says, my dad makes things more important just because he looks to God. They need that. Pray with them. Develop their walk with God. Make sure they got stuff to think about, stuff to do, verses on the wall. I don't care if they don't look at it. They look at it when you're not looking. Develop their walk with God. That's how you deal with teenagers. Yeah, it's a little harder. That's why we start earlier with children. But it sure would be better than losing our kids. Amen? And then pray for them. No man ever escaped his mother's prayers. Amen? Amen. They may be a thousand miles away, but you can trap them. Pray for your kids like, like their life depends upon it. Now, I'm going to stop here. Next year, I'm going to talk about the father. Father, don't, uh, don't discourage your kids. I mean, the, Bi- the Bible knows you're going to try and enforce this. Then the Bible says, don't do it too much. We're going to talk about that next week and how to correct your children. Did you say that's some good stuff that we learned? The concept of the home is just about demolished, about smashed beyond recognition. You couldn't find a, a, a biblical home with a, with a laser. We need to return to the Bible's ways of having a home. God wrote a special message to children here in chapter 6. And he gave two commandments. What were they? Honor and obey your parents. I showed you how to get children to obey and to honor. I want you to remember there's a promise to them. To you, you'll have peace. You'll have joy in your home. To them, they'll have a long life and a good life. And obedience makes it easier for a child to get born again to follow God later. You raise a rebel, it gets harder and harder to win them. It's time we committed ourselves to raising a godly generation in the midst of a very wicked culture. You probably need some serious help, just like I do. I got grandkids coming out the ears now, amen? I can't, I can't teach them to obey, but I want to be a good example of how to obey. And I want to rebuild some things so that there's an atmosphere of obedience to God. Maybe it needs to begin with you obeying the gospel. Your home could use a new dad, I think, probably, if you're not saved. New mom. If you're not saved, today's the day. If you've not been saved, why don't you come talk to me after this is all over. I'll show you in the Bible. To be born again takes you 15 minutes. I'll answer your question. I'll take all day. But I sure wouldn't go out of here thinking you know better than God. Let's pray. Father, please bless these thoughts. We want a little longer, but they are sure important. And they are transforming. A society is built not of people, but of families. A church is strong, not just because of people who attend, but because of families who take their roles seriously and are not willing to lose their families. God, give us hope. Give us courage to do what we're supposed to do. Young and old, may we just decide we'll do it because it's right. In Jesus' name, amen.